Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another album review. Uh, pending any interviews, I don't have anything scheduled for this week, but this should be episode 384. Holy crap, I'm catching up to the Uriah Heap podcast that I did, the Magician's Podcast. I think it was 398 episodes, uh, although some of those episodes were carryovers from this show because all the interviews that I did with the band on this show, I re-released under the uh, Magician's Podcast banner if they were Uriah Heap related, like Ken Hensley and uh, Bernie and Mick and all those guys. So um, yeah, holy crap, creeping up to that. So that's getting up to 800 podcasts just between these two shows let alone uh, the work that I did with Dean on Rebel Creative and editing Scorecast, which is uh, where I got my start in the podcasting world. And I got that from editing audiobooks and uh, just loving the show Scorecast. So uh, yeah, God, coming up on 800 shows, it won't be too long. It'll be this year. That's absolutely for sure. And um, I've already like, I, I do this weird thing where I have my list of all the shows that I want to do, like all the music I want to cover. And other potential ideas, like, you know, when John uh, Matola and I talked about the, um, you know, horror movie history and all that. Uh, So I have my list and then I just keep moving things around. Okay, I want to do this first or I want to do this next or I can get this guest. So let me put this over here and move everything around again. So I, I, after, you know, almost seven years, have learned to stop labeling things with episode numbers in my folders um, because I would just have to recode the files. I would have to rename the, you know, the, the lead sheet and all that stuff, go back to where I uploaded it and and redo it. So uh, I just kind of changed the process a little bit over the years. But to, honestly, I have not changed it that much since I first started. Um, I don't think I've even really changed much since I did my podcast walkthrough on how I handle all the audio side of things, how I process it. I've got that as a playlist on my YouTube channel for those of you who are interested in the uh, production side of podcasting and how I do it. I'm actually thinking about revamping it. I just haven't had time to sit down and, and work with it yet, but I might be able to eliminate a couple things. We shall see. But for now, uh, we continue on and we're going to go into an Eminem album, which will uh, be really the, only the second uh, rap album that I've covered. Of course, Nathan Beaudry and I covered, um, what was it, uh, Extinction Level Event by Busta Rhymes, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Nate's so knowledgeable. That's one of the things I love about having him on the show is that he just seems to know so much or takes the time to research that I don't do. Um yeah, a great guy to have on. Uh, but I'm solo on this one. And I can tell you, this for me is another Christmas album. And the reason for that is I was headed, uh, I was living in Chandler, Arizona. And I was headed up to Vegas for uh, for Christmas. I was going to have uh, brunch with some friends of mine. And I was going to go see Phantom of the Opera, which I did both on Christmas Day. And um, my friend Emily said, have you heard the new Eminem album? To which I said, no, I haven't. I didn't even know he had one out because I don't really follow him. Uh, My brother was the one that introduced me to his stuff. And I've got, you know, some of his songs here and there. But, um, you know, there's like songs I like, and those are really the only ones I listen to. And I don't tend to branch out a lot with bands anyway. And I never really did with Eminem. But she said, why don't you borrow the album and take it up to Vegas with you? And, and then you can listen to it and tell me what you think. I don't think I'd listen to anything else, really. Uh, whatever I started listening to, it would have been the end of that when when I put this in. And I think it was probably Kingman kind of like halfway for, for the trip when you hit Kingman. And I was probably around Kingman somewhere when I when I put the CD in and boy, fell in love with it right away. I don't love every song on here. I'll be honest and upfront about that. But there are some songs that I absolutely adore, will listen to any time of the day or night because I think they're absolutely fantastic. And there's other ones I just like, yeah, I don't need to hear that. And I just skip right on past it. So this is a kind of an up and down album for me. But overall, I would say I like this album very much. Spoiler alert, uh, the last few songs on the album, actually, when I when I you know take time to clean, I will put that on. And I will use that music to motivate me to to clean. And uh, there's there's a couple of songs that are pretty emotional on here, I think, and very very well written and performed. I I love the way 
he he does his vocal flows. There's just some amazing stuff. Like as a drummer, I I think of this stuff in in rhythm. And I could see where he's going with it, but I don't know that I would have ever thought of it because I don't I don't look at lyrical uh, punctuation the way that he does. But as as someone who works with rhythm, I find it very fascinating the way that he puts together his uh, his verses and choruses. Now, as, as somebody who knows next to nothing about pop culture, I know the stuff I know. I listen to what I listen to, and and very little outside of that. So uh, if there are references to other songs. I don't think I'm aware of any of them on this album. I don't think I know what any of them are. If there are any, I I just don't know. Uh, like when um, when Buster Rhymes did uh, "Give Me Some More," obviously that's you know I knew that theme because it was the theme from Psycho, so that was an easy one for me as a as a film composer. That's a very well known score, and um, I love what he did with it. I'm just gonna say that again. I know I said that on the show when we covered it, but I really love what he did there. So, uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of historical information here. There, I think the, the first one, I think, from Eminem that I heard was, um, oh boy, what was it? Um, it was a 60s song that they did. And I don't know if it was an exact ripoff of that or an, or an exact licensing deal, because I, I know he does his stuff legitimately. Um, but it was, uh, I love him. I love him. I love him. And where he goes, I'll follow, I'll follow, um, that song. And he did that with Dr. Dre. And that was a lot of fun. That was like a nice back and forth. The, the, you know, the angel in white and the angel in black sitting on the guy's shoulder, trying to tell him what to do. And, uh, I really liked the story of that. And that was my introduction to him. And then from there it went on to, um, I don't remember the name of the song, but it was the one where he gave the girl mushrooms and she started freaking out and talking to the plant. Uh, that probably would have been the next one. But I, I I like a lot of these little individual songs, and I really like the way that he incorporates existing music in uh, to some of them. I think that's really cool. Um, I like the way that he does duets and stuff uh, with some people. I think as somewhere along the line, though, the one that really hit me would be uh, the Dido song, which was, well, her song was Thank You, I think was the one that he used. And then... Um, he turned it into the song Stan, which I swear to you, I don't know how many times I've heard that song. It's been quite a bit, but I still to this day get a chill down my spine or is it up or down? I don't know. I, there's a chill in my spine. I know that and or on my spine, I should say. And um, every time it gets towards the end, I'm just like, wow, every single time. And I don't know what the magic is that creates that, but I really wish I could figure that out. Because that is just pure gold. You know, it's like when you when you see it and you know, or you know, you know it's about to come up and you know what the line's gonna be, you know what the reveal is, but it still hits you. That's pretty incredible. The closest I can come to that, and and unfortunately I it was something I only experienced for three weeks, but it was a play I worked on here in Vegas called Bright Side. And uh it was an absolutely amazing play. I really wish they had found funding and, and were able to do something much bigger. Um, it was a very intense story and, and it was the same thing as Stan. It was like every single time the reveal was coming up, I'd be like, but no, it's going to happen. But still, I don't want this to happen. Like it was so traumatic. Even as the audio engineer, I'm paying attention to so many things. I'm paying attention to the dialogue. I know where they are in the play. I'm following along with the script. Anyway, I've got all my notes as to when to turn on and off faders. You know, uh, I'll get into that in a second. But every time, like every single time, it hit me really hard. And I'm like, what is this magic that goes beyond the first time you experience it, where every time it hits you just as hard? What is that? I don't know. Seriously, if you have any idea or ideas about how that works, I would love to know. Write me. I never tell people to write me, but write me, scott at scotthaskin.com. I want to hear your thoughts about this. I want to know how you create that magic, what it's all about. What is it? What's the component or combination of ingredients that make that uh, a bitter piece of, of meat every time you bite it? Even though you know exactly what it's going to taste like, what is it? Because it's not like the foolish kid that thinks that Baker's chocolate is suddenly going to taste good. You know this isn't going to taste good and you have to bite it. You know it's not going to taste good, but it still shocks you. What is that? I'm absolutely fascinated by that. 
And I want to learn how to incorporate, because that's one of my big goals. Like I don't have a lot of aspirations as far as, you know, one day I want to do this or one day I want to do that. I just do what I do. I write, I edit, I engineer, you know, I do podcasts, that kind of thing. I don't, I mean, there's like bucket list guests I would really love to have on the show. But other than that, I don't really just have those kind of goals. I just want to make each thing the best it can be. But that as of right now is a goal of mine to find some kind of thing, some kind of hook that is spine tingling as much the 30th time you hear it as it is the first. So I really want you guys to weigh in on this. Anybody who has any thoughts on this, I want to hear them. I really do. And if you have other examples, like what are songs for you guys or uh, movies or, or things that, what is it that hits you like that? Uh, or do you even know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I could just be babbling as, as I often feel like I do. But um, okay, so to get back to marking up the book, I'll just tell you this real quick. For those of you who have not worked in theater audio, which is a very specific position, the first thing you do when you get the book, now the book is the script, right? So it gives you all the, um, you know, the dialogue, but it also gives you, you know, when a scene starts and stops. So, you know, you may or, or may not have like the, the house lights dimming. Uh, it tells you when the act breaks are, uh, maybe there's going to be intermissions that the director will decide, okay, between the second and the third act, I want to do a 30 minute intermission the third act is really long or whatever it's going to be. Or if it's Pippin, it's like the length of nine other normal plays. But uh, you'll take this book and what you want to do is you want to be really aware of who's on stage when they're going to speak because you don't want to leave open mics on if people aren't going to be using them relatively soon. You know, if somebody comes on stage and they're just sitting there on the couch while other people are talking, it, it's fine to leave their mic on. But if they go off stage, you really want to mute that at a specific point that allows them to get off stage if they have to take their mic off, if they need to adjust their clothing, if they need to run to the bathroom. Anything that they need to do should not be coming through the mic at that point. So you want to make sure that you know when they're coming on and off stage so you know when to turn on their mic and when to turn it off sometimes they start talking before they come on stage. You'll hear them in the background behind the door knocking. Is anybody home? That kind of thing. And their mic has to be on. So you take the script and you notice when people come on and off and you start marking and you will mark. Eventually you'll get down to when to turn on and off every single person's mic. Um, you also have people sometimes that have handheld mics. Sometimes they pass that mic around. Sometimes there's two people that will be on that mic. So you have to be aware of all those things. So you mark up the book, you have your uh, mixer and you know who's on what channel and you just mark mic one on, mic, mic one off, mic two on. And, uh, and so you can go through the entire play. And if you follow those steps and you have rehearsals to work all this out, it's not like you just get the book and the play, you know, the play's open. Oh, that, that has happened to me as I've done uh, emergency gigs coming in for a, a couple times I was brought in after plays open and, and were disasters. The first night um, I would be brought in to kind of fix everything. Right. So here I'm like, all right, well, I need the book and find out there's no book. I'm like, what do you mean you opened with no book? And so they'll give me the script and I'll be like, all right, now I got to go through this and figure everything out. And the doors open in four hours. So this is going to be a lot of fun and no rehearsal time. So um, you really want to have that book that will help. But you're you know, you've got at least a couple weeks of rehearsals. You'll have read throughs where they have the script and they'll have the final read throughs or, or the final uh, rehearsals without a script at all, because they have to make sure they know it. You know, it's nice to be able to have it in your hand. But at some point you have to be able to perform this without paperwork. So you have all this time to work out all the bugs. Uh, sometimes the director might change things in the script a little bit. So that will affect your uh, muting and unmuting of the microphones. Also the volumes too, because sometimes people might start out uh, really quiet and then they yell or they scream or they're shocked by something that happens and they let out a yelp. So you need to know when to dip those faders down to compensate for those things because uh, you don't have a lot of equipment typically in these. You don't have really nice compressors and limiters and things on there that might be able to help you with that. So it's always best to just be prepared and ready to do everything yourself. So that's the book that hopefully makes more sense now. So, you know, you'll see the audio engineer. They've got the mixer on top of the mixer. They've got the book. They're flipping through, following through the pages. Um, it's probably marked up to hell. There might be a lot of uh, tabs and things on there for them to find things quickly. 
but uh, it's it's a pretty wild job. I actually, you know, uh, really enjoyed it at points, depending on the gig. Uh, some of them I absolutely loathed doing, but Brightside was the first one I did here in Vegas. And uh, to this day, I mean, the music was fantastic. The actors were amazing. Um, that's when I really cherished. That's the thing, too, where I start thinking about, I really, really wish that theater was documented. And I don't understand why it's not. Now, this one, I know that they did a taping of it because they were going to use that as, uh, you know, cut up the footage for promotion to get money to make it a bigger thing instead of it just being a local Vegas thing to maybe be a tour or potentially go on Broadway or whatever. Um, but it's not anything that's, that's you know, available for the public. And they always, you know, all these plays that I've worked on, they, they always promised, oh, we'll get you a tape. They never do. So you just, all you have is your memories, right? And um, I think that's sad because there's a lot of art that just, doesn't get captured. And, uh, and it's a shame because there's only people in those, those three weeks in Vegas got to experience this absolutely stunning play with brilliant music. And, uh, that really makes me sad. So now that we've lowered the bar here, let's, uh, let's talk about Eminem and, uh, and his great album. Uh, let's get into the first song. This is a, a really great way, I think, to open the album and it's called Cold Wind Blows. I really like this song. There's um, an album, sort of album intro preceding the song that's part of the song file, but I didn't want to play that because I really just kind of wanted to get into the song itself. This is a really good opening track, guys. I really like the the fact that he's not coming out with a fast tempo. It's got, you know, good median tempo and he's just able to find a nice flow for it. I really like that just plinky organ that da, 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 da. It has just a really good feel to it. And I would imagine, you know, I've only written a couple of rap songs and they weren't musically, they weren't at all in, in the style. Um but I would imagine for a lyricist, that really just opens up all kinds of possibility because you're not stuck in a specific melody. The rhythm, you've already got the tempo and this, you know, that choppy organ is just going to go right into that tempo. So it probably allows you a lot of room for freestyle. Although I really get the feel that he could pretty much do it over whatever because he's not, he's not hitting pitches in the way a singer would. So you can just kind of talk over anything, but it has to be, he, he still has a cadence. He still finds something in each song that makes his style of delivery unique to each song. And I really like what he does in this one. There's, um, there's a part where I think, is he gets shot? I think he gets shot and he complains that it hurt and <laughs> it's kind of funny, but um, it just, it, this song has such a great flow to it and his lyrics are really good. It feels like, He's coming out of the the darkness and saying, I'm ready to do this again, and I'm ready to give you something that I think is worth your time to listen to. I feel a lot of confidence, in it, and it's a really cool track. Great way to open the album. Our next one uh, is called Talking to Myself. Ayo, before I start the song, man, I just want to thank everybody for being so patient and bearing with me over these last couple of years. While I figure this shit out.
feels the way I feel that there is and let me in so I know that I'm not the I went away one. I guess and opened up some lanes but there was no one who even knew I was going through growing pains hates it was flowing through my veins on the first I definitely feel a lot of this album is therapeutic, you know, him just working through the struggles. And of course, as artists, one of the things that we tend to do is write about whatever we're going through. It helps us just get it out of our system for one, which I think a lot of people don't necessarily have the um, the means or the thought that they need to purge whatever's going on. You just got to let it out. And keeping it bottled up and dwelling on it, not talking to anybody and rolling yourself into a ball and being as closed off as possible, uh, it, it does not help anything. Like, even if you're just talking to yourself, even if you just want to write it down, um, you know, write it out as a blog, whatever you want to do, you don't have to put it out there for people. But getting it out of your system is the biggest thing. It really makes a big difference. So I, I see with uh, with Eminem what he's doing here, and it, it, this is me theorizing, but the result that I'm hearing is this is him just working through all of this stuff that he's got going on inside him. You know, he's had a pretty crazy life, and it's uh, it's it's no wonder. You know, the thing is too that people I don't know if people think about this that much, but who who would be able to teach him how to deal with the level of success and pressure that he gets as a musician? You know, I think about people like Britney Spears or, uh, you know, even like look back to the days of Marilyn Monroe, who would have been able to coach her on the level of success that she had because there really wasn't anything before that. And I don't know if there was anybody in rap that has had quite the success that Eminem has had, but I i mean, even if he's not the number one, what he deals with is still a lot of pressure. The expectations, the, you know, the, the just the constant demand to be on, I would imagine is, is just tremendous, you know? So it, it's not surprising that people in those positions would end up needing some kind of extra help or, you know, and and it doesn't have to be people that have reached some sort of height of fame. I mean, it could be anybody going through anything really, but those people in particular have a different set of pressures from other people. And who's there to explain to them how to get through it? Michael Jackson, he'd be another one. Who could have told Michael Jackson, look, it's going to be crazy successful and here's how you deal with it. Here's how you get through life. Who could have told Elvis? You know, I mean, when you really think about it, it really makes a lot of sense. So an album like this, probably very therapeutic for him. Not every song, because not every song is dealing with these issues, but there's a number of them that are, and this being one of them. Um, but I like the idea of this. I like the idea of just talking to himself, just getting it out of his system, working it out. One thing I've noticed too, sometimes you'll have a problem you can't solve. And you'll just ex- start explaining it to a friend. And by the time you get almost done with the explanation, you figured out the solution because you've said it, you found a different medium to look at it. So if you're just like, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking in your head, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get through whatever the thing is? And you just mull it over and over and over and over and over in your mind and you're not getting anywhere. Talking about it, saying it out loud, even if it's just to yourself, you can find the answer because you're looking at it from a different perspective. So I highly encourage that. Um, Some people, uh, for some people writing it down, some people, you know, like I said, writing a blog, doing voicemails, you know, whatever it is, just get it out of your body, find a different format to express it. And you might find that clarity that you need in there. Uh, That is my tip for the new year. So no more tips. No, I'm kidding. There, There may be some. Uh, but great song. I, I really like the energy of it. I think the vocals are great. I love the backups. He does a lot of great work with backing vocals on this album. Uh, that's one of the highlights for me. I, this is really, I think, the first album of his I've actually sat down and listening listened to from start to finish. And I've heard this uh, probably a hundred plus times. And uh, there's a lot of really good stuff on here. So uh, maybe he does that on some of his other stuff. I don't know. The stuff that I'm familiar with isn't quite the same as this. I think he really nailed something special on this album. So let's go to a song called On Fire. (laughs) 
I love the really haunted feel of this song. The backups are really emphasizing like a darkness for me. And I don't know if, you know, I, I could get really philosophical and talk about, you know, that represents the dark moments he was feeling and blah, blah, blah. I really have no idea. That's all, you know, he would know why he put what in a song. And a lot of times I think people don't know why they necessarily do that as artists. They just do it because they like it, the way it sounds. But there might be subliminal, uh, you know, reasons in there behind some of that stuff. But in any case, very cool song. I really dig it. I think his lyrics are great on this one. I think his flow is absolutely fantastic on this. He sounds really strong. He sounds like angry, but yet he's not at the same time. I think that's just his strong voice just comes across that way. But in any case, it's a very cool song. I really like it. Love that gothic sort of feel. It kind of reminds me of that darkness level of, um, if you remember Busta Rhymes, when when, uh, Nate and I talked about that, the burial song would be uh, probably the closest I can think of. uh, But it just sounds really gothic, really huge with those backing vocalists. Very, very cool. And I like that the music is simple. You know, it doesn't have to have a lot going on. It just has to be there. So it's it's really a nice beat. I like the the way that the bass drums are played on it. And uh, yeah, really, really cool track. I dig that one. Speaking of tracks I dig, here's another one called Won't Back Down. really dig the backing vocals. I love the tempo. I love the drums. I love the guitars. Um, The lyrical flow of the song is fantastic. Again, you know, sort of aggressive, but not really. Um, I don't think this was part of the, um, well, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe what his, his lyrical content is about getting things off his chest. I'm not sure. I feel like almost all of his songs could be that. Um, but yeah, this is another one where like musically, it's just fantastic. I really like what he's doing over it. I like the way he, the guitars kind of follow him a bit, but it's a fun song, you know, and I'm just going to go on. I, I don't know if I said this earlier or not, because I started recording this last week um, and I realized, holy crap, this episode comes out tomorrow night, so I better finish it. Um, I was like four weeks ahead for a while and then I just got so busy and I kept saying, OK, I need to get to this. I need to get to this. Now, finally, here I am actually getting to it. And yay to that. So um, I don't like a lot of his lyrics and I'm not usually a lyrics guy, but since that's such a focal point for his music, um, you know, I don't like dick and fart jokes. I'm not into all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of that sort of level of humor, not necessarily dick and fart jokes, but, you know, that level of humor and that kind of stuff I really don't like. But what I listen to, as I've always said, listening to vocals more as an instrument than what the instrument's actually saying And I love the flow of this. I love the sound of his voice on this album. I think he sounds very strong. 
I think that the uh, the flow is great. The the music, the way he follows the music is just excellent. Um, it's a great song. You know, definitely one of those ones that um, can kind of get you pumped up. So, you know, out of four songs, we're four for four as far as I'm concerned. And then we get to the next one. This is called WTP, also known as White Trash Party. Until we see the morning sun, sun, sun. So give us room to do our things. We ain't come to hurt no one, one. So everybody come and get up on the floor now and grab some one. Man, first of all, I'm a boss. I just wanna get that across. Man, even my dentist hates when I floss. Pull up to the club in a panel like it's a Porsche. Garbage back for one of the windows. Spray painted doors with the flames on them. Michigan plates and my name's on them. Baby Shady's here. Come and get him if you games want him. But he ain't stupid, so we're trying to run them games on him. He's immune to Cupid. Why you trying to put your claims on him? Cause you ain't good to me what you did to the last man. Now climb it back. <sighs> yeah, I... It's just kind of yuck. You know, I, I think the whole concept of it is just terrible for my taste. And, and again, I can only talk about what I like and don't like. Um, obviously, he thought it was a good enough song to put on the album, which is great. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of silly song to me. I think the album would have been much stronger without it. Um, I mean, there's a couple of cool things in the music. The beat is cool. Um, the chorus, the, like the lyrical flow of the chorus is good, but I don't know, the song just, I, it just rubs me the wrong way. And I, I don't think I've ever really liked this song, but you know what, what I do like is the next one, because this is called Going Through Changes. I'm rolling for Kelp like Philly Feel like I'm losing control of myself I sincerely apologize if all that I sound like Is I'm complaining but life keeps on complicating And I'm debating on leaving this world this evening Even my girls can see I'm grieving I try and hide it but I can't Why do I act like I'm all high and mighty When inside I'm dying I'm finally realizing I need help can't do it myself, two weeks, two weeks I've been having ups and downs Going through peaks and valleys, dilly-dallying round With the idea of hitting the shit right here I'm hating my reflection, I walk around the house Trying to fight mirrors, I can't stand what I look like Ah, yeah, uh, wow, I love this song This is one of my favorites on the album uh, Just as you're hearing here, as, as I faded it out um, The strings go up a little bit kind of give you a, a feeling of maybe everything is going to be okay, uh, even though he's, again, talking through all these problems. I don't know if this is um, an, an existing Ozzy song that he licensed part of it, or if this is some collaboration he did with Ozzy. I have no idea. I'm not an Ozzy Osbourne fan, so I don't really know very much of his stuff. I know a couple songs, but not a whole lot. Um but yeah, this is a really good song. I really like the strings. I love the lyrics. Um, I think the flow of it is great. I love the way he incorporates the child's voice. There's a lot of honesty, I think, a lot of admitting things, a lot of um, accepting blame, which I really like. I, I think it's a, a great message, a great song. Definitely one that I uh, I enjoy. It's It's one that actually, when it's done, I kind of want to just hear it right away, right afterwards. And, you know, we're talking, uh, the song is just under five minutes. It's four minutes and 58 seconds. So to listen to a song that long ago, I want more, says a lot about the quality of the song. So great job on that one, I have to say. Uh, our next one uh, is another one I dig. It's called Not Afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm yeah. Not afraid. It's been a ride. Everybody. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now some of you might still be in that place if you're trying to get out. Just follow me. 
I'll catch you there. You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I lay them. But you won't take the sting out these words before I say them. Cause ain't no way I'm gonna let you stop me from causing man. When I say I'm gonna do something, I do it. I don't give a damn what you think. I'm doing this for me. So fuck the world, feed it beans. It's gassed up. If it thinks it's stopping me, I'm gonna be what I set out to be. Without a doubt, undoubtedly. And all those who look down on me, I'm tearing down your balcony. No way fans of bust, don't try to ask him why. From infinite down to the last relapse out of me Still shitting whether he's on salary Paid hourly until he bows out Or he shits his bowels out of him Whichever comes first for better or worse He's married to the game You know, I was thinking about this I don't know if he normally structures his songs like this But I really dig this one Again, this is another one where the music kind of has that, you know, it'll set the tone and then it'll go up a little bit and, and feel like things are going to be okay. Really love the synth pads that he chose for this song. I think they've got a nice warmth to them with just a little bit of an edge, just enough to match the, the intensity of the vocals. Very well-constructed song. Great sound choices on this. Um, again, powerful backups. Uh, such a theme on this album. And um, great lyrics, you know, um, again, this goes to those those themes, I think, that really suit the majority of the album. It's weird because there's like, you know, here's some songs that fit it and then here's a song and then here's some songs that fit it. It's 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 kind of a little bit um, as far as I can tell, unless they're metaphorical or whatever, not all of the songs fit the theme of the album. And that's fine. Um, but yeah, that's a great song. I really love that one. I love the atmosphere of it. It reminds me of Fall. And of course, like I said, I first heard this album was it? It wasn't Christmas Day. No, I think it was Christmas Eve I drove up or the day before Christmas Eve I drove up here to Vegas. I can't remember now, but it was right right around Christmas because I, I remember I, I had brunch on Christmas Day, so it couldn't have been then. It might have been Christmas Eve or the day before. In any case, uh, it was a great time and uh, love listening to this album. So this has like that that cold air feeling to me and just kind of like warming your hands by the fire trying to you know, just soak up some heat around you. The, the synths have that cool autumn tone to them. And uh, and I really like that. But they also have, like I said, they've got that edge, but they also have a little bit of warmth to them and a little bit of feeling of hope. And I really, really like the the choices that he made for this song. And our next song, I think, kind of um, maybe slithers away from this uh, theme of the album. And it is called Seduction. I almost said that like James Hatfield. Seduction. Love that delay on the snare. Uh, and I like that the snare sounds actually kind of crunchy. You know, you you get the attack of, of the stick. I'm sure it's sampled, but you get the attack of the stick, but it really sounds more crunchy. And I like that. Um, I love the emotion and the feel of this song. I've always maintained, and I will still maintain this, of all the songs that I know, that I've heard in my life that I can recall, I will say that the sexiest song is Animal Magnetism by the Scorpions. This would be in the top five, I would say. I'd have to really sit down and think about what I would put in that. But I would have to say that this would be in the top five. Uh, very sexy song. Very, I, I think Seduction is such a great title for it because that's really what the music is is doing. Very cool. Um, really dig this tune. And um, I like the, the music. I love the mood, the mood of the music, too. It's really good. So uh, another uh, another hit. So, so far, we've talked about eight songs and there's only one I haven't liked. That's pretty good. You know, like I said, I don't I don't really know his albums. I know some songs here and there. 
So it's not fair for me to say uh, what the album is like compared to his other stuff on the whole, because I have absolutely no idea. All I can say is I really like this album. So we're going to move on to uh, another one with a guest star. This is called No Love. For the longest time, I hated the first half of this song. Um, first of all, I the, the song that he's using is What is Love by Hathaway, which I absolutely adore that song. I think it's fantastic. Um, so I was a little put off, but excited at the same time when I saw that he had used the song. But Lil Wayne sings the first half of it, and then Eminem sings the second half. And I'm like, this is just so slow and dragged out, and he's not even talking about anything good. And it was really a long time before I, I kind of got used to it. I actually like the first half of the song now. But I will say the contrast of his really slow uh, approach versus what Eminem comes in with, because he's got some really super fast parts in there. Um, is It's a really nice contrast. It's a great build for the song. Um, I really like this one. I, I like the second half of it. And now I like the whole thing. It's a really good version. It's um, you know, typically what Eminem does to uh, an existing song, he kind of twists it apart and adds things in that, like that little riser that you heard right at the end of the clip. Um, I like that kind of stuff, and uh, I think it fit really well. But it is not, I mean, it's recognizable as Hadaway, but it's also not recognizable as Hadaway at the same time, which is good because Eminem really took it and made it his own. But um, yeah, another very cool song. I, I really dig that one. And we're going to move on to another song that I'm kind of, Nah, this is called Space Bound. We touch, I feel a rush. We clutch, it isn't much, but it's enough to make me wonder what's in store for us. It's lust, it's torturous. You must be a sorceress, cause you just did the impossible. Gain my trust. Don't play games, it'll be dangerous if you fuck me over. Cause if I get burnt, I'ma show you what it's like to hurt. Cause I've been treated like dirt before you, and love is evil. Spell it backwards, I'll show you. Nobody knows me, I'm cold. Walk down this road all alone. It's no one's fault but my own. It's the path I've chosen to go. Frozen in the snow, I show no emotion whatsoever. So don't ask me why I have no love for these motherfucking hoes. Blood sucking succubus is what the fuck is off with this. I've tried in this department, but I ain't had no love with this. It sucks, but it's exactly what I thought it would. You know, sometimes I forget how good this song actually is. I, I kind of, when I was getting ready to, to you know, cut the clip. I was like, oh yeah, you know this one. But it's actually a really good song. I, I shouldn't be down on it because it, it's just, uh, it's a little bit slower. It's a little more emotional and that's fine. But it's, I think it's the chorus I really don't care for. Um, it feels very Elton Johnish, which is fine, but I, I don't really like that for this particular song. Um, but I really like the verses. I think the, ver the verses are, are fantastic. I like the music to it. Um, but the lyrical flow is what really sells me on this one. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you know what? I apologize because it really is a good track. However, our next one, maybe not so much. Let's take a listen to Cinderella Man. Yeah. You know, technically, I'm not even really supposed to be here right now. So fuck it. Might as well make the most of it. Yeah! <laughs> Feels good! Woo! Guess I'm 
Catch lightning in the bottle, set fire to water, coming out the nozzle on the fire hose, quiet and swatters. Cinderella man, Cinderella man, Cinderella man, Cinderella man. Smashing hourglass, grab the sand, take his hands and cup them, spin around the freezer clock, take the hands of time and cup them. Cinderella man, Cinderella man, Cinderella man, Cinderella man. There's a storm coming at the weatherman, couldn't predict. I start the ball prick, you better flee cause I get ticked. It's a wrap. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just doesn't really do anything for me. It just feels very like an album track that they needed extra time to fill or something. And honestly, you really don't. There's 17 songs on this album. I would say this was really not necessarily. I don't know if this was was released as a single or not, but for me, it really just takes me out of the album. You know, it takes me out of the emotion. We've just come off of Spacebound. We've got some really good songs coming up. And yeah, this one just it just really doesn't do anything for me at all. And that's, that's a shame. Um, but our next song, however, is called 25 to life. Too late for the other side. Caught in a chase, 25 to life. Too late for the I don't think she understands the sacrifices that I've made Maybe if this bitch had acted right I would have stayed But I've already wasted over half my life I would have laid down and died for you I no longer cried for you No more pain, bitch You took me for granted Took my heart and ran it straight into the planet Into the dirt, I can no longer stand it Now my respect, I demand it I'ma take control of this relationship, command it And I'ma be the boss of you now, goddammit I absolutely love this song. The message is so powerful. The determination, you just feel it. You know, you just, you feel it almost coursing through your body, like you're determined to do something, listening to how powerful his message is. I absolutely love the vocals of Liz Rodriguez on this song. I think she's fantastic and uh, has such a great, sweet sounding voice for this. But the um, and the music is really good too. But man, Eminem's voice on this, his drive, absolutely make this song everything that it is. And that is why it is one of my favorites on this album. Not surprisingly, actually, pretty much everything uh, I think from here on in, I think we're good. Um, I don't think there's so there's really only a couple songs on the whole album I don't like out of 17. And for somebody who doesn't really listen to rap, that's a really good ratio, I have to say. But this album, like I said, I, I really think he found something magical here. And uh, so we're going to go to our next song. It's called So Bad. the contrast on this one I, I like the horns the you know the saxophones in contrast to the way that the vocals are done on this song uh it's just a cool combination it's it's kind of a laid-back song but i think that you need that because you're about to go into some really intense stuff so i think the placement of it is pretty important it's not the greatest song but i don't hate it i i i, I think it's pretty decent um but it's just kind of like, all right, we're going to we're going to give you a little bit, bit of breathing room before we push towards the end. And we are going to do just that with a song called Almost Famous. Almost 
think that the term beauty and simplicity is perfect for this song because it's really not a difficult song. It's not very intense. There's not a lot going on, but what is, is very catchy, but it's very simple. You know, the female vocal dynamic, and this is fantastic. The, the build that is really good. The riff is just very simple, right? But it makes for a killer song. But honestly, again, it's Eminem's delivery. I think that makes this song what it is. Very, very special, very passionate, very determined. Another song, you know, again, thinking of recovering his determination to succeed and get past all the stuff and just move forward. And I think this is a great song. It's definitely got that theme in the lyrics as well as in the sound of the vocal. Uh, Just that I'm going to make this work and there's really nothing else to say. Um, but he says a lot of stuff. But yeah, really, really cool song. Um, I love that that dynamic. It's fantastic. And we're going to move on to a tune that he did with Rihanna called Love the Way You Lie. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. Well, that's all right because I like the way it hurts. Just gonna stand. I can't tell you what it really is I can only tell you what it feels like And right now it's a steel knife in my windpipe I can't breathe but I still fight While I can fight As long as the wrong feels right It's like I'm in flight High off a log, drunk from my hate It's like I'm huffing pain I love her the more I suffer I suffocate right before I'm about to drown She resuscitates me She fucking hates me What's really interesting about the beat of this song is that the drums are not heavy. I mean, you definitely feel that kick drum, but the rest of it is actually very light. You know, there's not a snare hit. There's not toms. There's not, you know, that that big thing during the verse. It's all almost like hand clap style percussion. But I love the way it sounds. It, it really has a nice feel to it. It's got a good groove. But man, this is a, a thinking of the story of this song. This is a tough one. I, I love it. I, I'm definitely one of my favorites on the album. But the story of these two people is absolutely ridiculous. And so many people I know are kind of similar to this. They're like, we're not compatible. We shouldn't be together. But I can't. I just can't walk away from this. And it makes absolutely no sense. And it drives me nuts when I see this kind of thing. Because you know where people are headed, Right eventually it's going to end in some kind of violence or something really horrible. Uh, Hopefully there's no children involved, but like, if you're not, just walk away. I get you have a connection. I get you think I'm never going to find anybody like you. Well, that's good because you don't belong with that person. So knock it off. Um, Very, very powerful. But yeah, I, I mean, I've had, I'm one of those people that people um, will talk to about their problems And uh, I I have enjoyed being able to be there for people throughout my life. But this is one of the things that drives me nuts. People want to hear advice. They want help. They want out of the pain. They want to know how to make it better. But when you tell them the answer is get out of this toxic relationship, they're like, oh, but he's so cute or, oh, but I love him. I'm sure you do. But that doesn't make you guys work well together. So just be realistic about your relationships and you won't end up a story in an Eminem song. You might end up a story in a Taylor Swift song. That's still possible. 
But yeah, great song. I mean, really passionate vocal from both Eminem and Rihanna. I am not uh, very familiar with Rihanna's work. I think probably more as an actor than a, a vocalist or a singer or a songwriter. I don't know if she writes her own stuff. Don't know anything about her um, except as an actor. I think she was in, wasn't she in Battleship? I want to say she was in Battleship, um, which was a great score, by the way. Steve Jablonski's score for that was phenomenal. One of my favorite uh, soundtracks. Great sound design in that one too, by the way, weird film that had Liam Neeson and it, it didn't really use Liam Neeson. It, 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 it was like, he just sat there outside of the bubble waiting through the whole movie. Um, it's like, you just like, if you get him, you want him kicking ass and hurting people and, and doing all that. And they really, he was really underutilized. I think in that movie, um, great film though. I really enjoyed it. I actually saw that one in the theater at, okay. So this would be, it's it doesn't exist anymore. It was a station casino. If you're coming in from Phoenix, it would be the first one on your right. Uh, not the first casino you pass, because that's there's like a huge one that's just past the Hoover Dam. Uh, but it would have been the first one, like right at the uh, intersection of the 40 and the 215. And um, I just can't think of which station casino it was. It wasn't Palace. It wasn't Sunset. It wasn't Santa Fe. Uh, well, anyway, it's gone now. Um, did not recover from COVID, unfortunately. But I, but they had a movie theater there, which was really nice because they're kind of away from the strip. So if you're staying there, um, they had a lot of stuff there that, that you really didn't have to go other places. You didn't have to drive all the way down to the strip, which was really nice. But in any case, uh, that's where I saw it, Battleship one night. And uh, really cool. I, I only really saw it because it was a Steve Jablonski score, but I ended up really enjoying the movie. So that is song number 15, Love the Way You Lie. We're down to the last two. And let me tell you guys, buckle up. Because my favorite song is coming up next. And it's called You're Never Over. The days are cold, living without you. The nights are long, I'm growing older. You may be gone, but you're never over The proof could see me now, I know he'd be proud Somewhere in me deep down, there's something in me he found That made him believe in me, now no one can beat me now You try it, it'll be them doors, Andre's fan and believe me clowns That means suicide, homie, you'll never throw me Off of this course, blow me Bitch, I do this all for the sport only, but I want it all I'm not just talking to warts, homie And the ball's in my court and it's lonely You're on top of the world when you're the only one With the balls in your shorts to leave the jaws on the floors But no remorse, remember that when they get to talking Your boy, homie, so y'all can just get to blogging the pop along this is another song where, again, the use of pads really shows that uplifting side of things. Uh, great tones were selected. Killer groove on the percussion. I absolutely love it. Um, but man, this one is, is it's vocals. It's definitely vocals on the song. I have said many, many times that any time I have ever heard a version, well, I mean, the studio version, any time I've heard it of uh, Eminem singing Stan, I get a shiver every single time it gets to the end. I get a similar charge listening to this song, and there isn't one time I've heard it where I haven't felt it that I can recall. I think it would have stood out to me if that had been the case. This is such a powerful song of not just determination and comeback, but acceptance, I think, of of mistakes and choices and where he's been and just how close he was to the edge and being determined to never get there again. And he knows that he's loved and has support. And even though the, you know, his best friend is gone, in, not in the song in real life, but, you know, even though his best friend is gone, he feels that connection with him, that a, a camaraderie in a way that I, I don't think any other set of circumstances could create. And it's such a passionate, beautiful lyric and, and performance on the song. 
um, this easily remains my favorite. And this is one that I absolutely will, uh, you know, get to the end of and just turn around and listen to it again. It's five minutes and five seconds. That is uh, easily 10 minutes and 10 seconds or 15 minutes and 15 seconds for me because I could just listen to that song over and over again. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, of all the songs uh, that I know of his, I would say my absolute favorite. And and I really like some of his stuff. I mean, I don't know a lot of it, but the stuff that I, I've heard in general, I like. And it's, you know, kind of an array of over the course of several different points of his career. So um, I feel like I've heard uh, an array of his music and, and his style because some of the the earlier stuff sounds very, very different than this. This is like, I really have production in mind and I want to make the songs rich and full and um, really give myself a background to tell my stories over. Uh, very, very cool stuff. I absolutely, I cannot say enough how much I love this song, but I am going to force myself to go to our final track. It is called Untitled. Nah, man. You're not quite finished yet. Girl, I think you just might have tried to pull a motherfucking fast when I'm mad. You just hurt my goddamn feeling, and that was the last one I had. Does this look like an arcade trying to play games? See the soul blade, see the silhouette of a stalker in your walkway. Better cooperate, hook it, saute, and we'll just read while you're hot tied. MCs get so quiet, you can hear a motherfucking dog whistle when I walk by. Seavers on a mule, stunting on that ass like the fucking fall guy. I don't gas my Mercedes at the midnight, I treat it like a mogwai. Cause it will turn into a gremlin and run over kids, women, and men. Vin Vin motor so big, you can fit a midget in his engine. Bitch, give me them digits while you're cringing. Not by the hair on my tinny tin chin while I spin spin, even ten cents on you since when do you think it's gonna cost me a pretty penny shit if I think a penny's pretty? Just imagine how beautiful a quarter is to me. Any mini money mo, catch an Eskimo by his toe while he's trying to roll a snowball, but don't make him lose his cool. If he hollers, better let him go, yo. You know, this is another one. It's it's so simple, but it's just genius at the same time. A lot of fun lyrics, a uh, lot of, um, you know, from the little bit that I know about rap, what I hear a lot of times is just taking everyday stuff and just throwing all kinds of things in the song, making comparisons and, um, you know, relatable, I guess, if you're someone who's more up on pop culture than I am, because typically I have to look all this stuff up if I'm curious about it, because I never know what the hell they're talking about. Um but a lot of fun. Very simple. Yeah, very, very simple music. And I wasn't sure because it doesn't sound like the version that I know. And I'd have to actually go back and listen to the studio version. But this is actually sampled from Leslie Gore's 1964 hit, You Don't Own Me. I wasn't sure if it was like a, a more modern uh, singer that had re recorded that vocal and then they just put an effect on it or not. But uh, no, it appears that they actually did sample that directly from Leslie Gore. 1964. Long time ago. Uh, I wasn't even a thing yet. And I'm old. So that says a lot right there. But uh, very cool tune. Great way to end the album because, you know, with uh, with the last song, it was very, very intense very emotional. I'm really glad he didn't end the album with that. I'm glad that he did this song afterwards because this has, you know, it just, it just gives you a feel good ending, you know, and, it, and it, when you're over or when it's done, you're kind of like, it's not over. I don't want it to be over and you want to hear more. So you'll probably just go back to the beginning of the album or maybe pick a favorite song or whatever. So uh, it's great from a marketing standpoint because it gets you listening again. And that's what you know, makes an album memorable. One of the things that makes an album memorable, but man, I love this album. I, I'm not, um, you know, like I've said many times, this is only the second rap album I reviewed, rap slash hip hop. I don't know what the dividing line between that even is, but here's the thing. This is a pretty amazing uh, set of songs. And other than, you know, a couple that I think are kind of blah, out of all these songs, and there's a lot of great stuff here. So I hope that you will give this album a chance. If you're not already familiar with it, go, uh, you know, listen to it if you want on Spotify or wherever to make sure that you like it, but go and buy it. Will you not like, you know, Eminem's going to, you know, be on the streets anytime soon if you don't buy the album, but just get in the habit of that because it's the right thing to do. And uh, with that, our first show of the year, I will sign off. Got another show coming next week, believe it or not. 
and maybe some interviews too at some point. Uh, I don't have anything scheduled as of right now, but uh, I've got people that I've been talking to and just trying to find a time to narrow it down. But next week on the episode, if all goes well this week, on next week's Wednesday episode, I will have a guest reviewing an album that I'm only slightly familiar with. It's going to be fun. We'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Have a great day. Cheers.